Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Infectious Dialogue podcast, where we continue to share the stories of medicine and the people behind them. My name is Mike. And I'm Naman. Today's episode is very telling of the times, an episode focused on patient wellness during the era of COVID-19 and a group of students' incredible initiative called iPads for Patients, which aims to improve patient connectedness for those in hospital. We're really proud to share a story of how students have made a positive impact during the pandemic and hope that it's a source of inspiration for our listeners as well. For sure, Mike, I think everyone's in for a real treat. So without further ado, over to our interviewers, Gurinder and Prasitha, to take it away with this episode of Infectious Dialogue. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the ID Podcast. I'm Gurinder. And I'm Prasitha. As the second wave of the COVID-19 pandemic continues to change the way hospitals across the globe function, we thought it would be time for a new series. In this series, we thought it would be important to analyze how patient wellness has been impacted and the measures that have been taken to address these concerns. In this episode, we'll get a closer look at iPads for Patients, an Ontario-based initiative whose mission is to combat isolation by using iPads and technology to keep patients connected. It was originally started during the COVID-19 pandemic. Today, we're joined by two guests on our show, Angela Fajardo and Aaron Howe, who are representing the team from iPads for Patients. Hi, I'm Aaron, and I'm a fifth-year co-op student at McMaster University studying biochemistry. Hi, everyone. My name is Angela. I'm a 2020 graduate from the Schulich School of Business at York University, and I am one of the founding members as well as a marketing lead at iPads for Patients. Such a pleasure to have you both, Angela and Aaron. Thank you both for taking the time today. So as we ease into this podcast, I know there's a lot to talk about, but maybe this is a good place to start. What's the story behind iPads for Patients and what motivated your team to get started on this initiative? So initially how this originally began is there is something called the HELP program that works alongside Hamilton Health Sciences and it's found in the hospitals within the Hamilton Health Foundation. So I was initially supposed to be a help volunteer, which is a hospital elderly life program volunteer. And essentially the goal of this program is to help elderly patients and prevent them from having delirium by coming in and engaging with them and making sure they're okay. So before I even got the chance to go in and actually assist any patients, the COVID pandemic hit and it was all shut down and I wasn't allowed to volunteer anymore. Upon this happening, I reached out to my volunteer coordinator and said, hey, technology is huge in this day and age. And is there any way that we could use like phone calls or maybe even iPads to still connect with the patients and continue this program? Unfortunately, at the time, the answer was no. And I asked, what was the reasoning as to why this wasn't possible? Was it because the hospital couldn't do it? Or was it because you guys didn't have enough iPads? To which I said, oh, I could definitely maybe fundraise some money to buy like a couple iPads. Like, I really want to volunteer. It was essentially what was happening. So while that was happening, I was waiting for an email back. I started searching around and I'm originally from Toronto, but I was in Hamilton at the time. And I thought to myself, there must be other hospitals who have the same issue. So I kind of reached out to other hospitals such as Mount Sinai, Sunnybrook, Michael Guerin Hospital, and asked, are you guys in need of iPads or any sort of tablets? Because this is my idea of assisting and reconnecting patients to their families. And they said, Yes, definitely. And the more I researched about it, the more I realized that this was a huge problem. And on the news in long-term care homes, some families weren't able to even see their loved ones before they even passed away. 
luckily I stumbled upon a fundraiser in New York in which they were doing exactly this. They were raising money to purchase iPads and distribute it across the New York state. I reached out to the lead in that and he gave me a lot of tips. And with this, I was like, I can definitely do this. It was in the summer. We started around May and I said, I'm definitely going to need a team to help me. There's no way I can do this by myself. I reached out to some of my closest friends from high school, which include Angela and includes Andrew and Sean, who also are McMaster students, as well as Isabel from George Brown College, as well as Kaylin from University of Waterloo. And essentially, we all went to the same high school, but I was still connected with them. And everyone had their kind of little special skill sets. And we came together for a good cause. And that's how iPads for Patients began. Wow. So it sounds like It really started at its core as a initiative to kind of answer a need or a niche that you saw really needed some help early along in the pandemic. And I think we all have witnessed just how quickly society has been able to pivot when you're faced with a challenge, just the pandemic. So it's really interesting to see how a young group of students was able to get together. And exactly like you said, the A-team was formed, everyone had their own skill set, and they came together to help create a great cause. So it's, it's great to see. Kind of following up on one of the points you mentioned, it seems like there was a bit of resistance maybe to start off with from some of the hospital administration staff, and reasonably so. I'm sure they had a lot of other things that they were concerned about early on in the pandemic. What would you say is the biggest challenge that your team had encountered throughout the entire process? I think at the beginning, like you mentioned, specifically Hamilton Health Sciences, they weren't too sure about utilizing iPads or technology directly for this help program as it hadn't been implemented yet. But upon further digging, they did use the technology for connecting patients. Obviously, visiting hours were closed down and all patients within the hospital are affected by COVID-19, not just the elderly patients, obviously. So nobody would be allowed to be visited by their family. And so They were already using, like other hospitals in Toronto and Ontario, they were using the iPads to connect with families. It's just they didn't have enough. And so it wasn't too hard to implement and connect with them and add iPads to their already set up system. For sure. And and kind of just to tack on to that, I know that you guys have raised a lot of funds for many, many iPads. But I'm sure, as you mentioned, there's a lot of patients who are in need right now, especially for social contact. And a lot of them, unfortunately, cannot have people visit them just due to the pandemic restrictions that are in place right now. Has your team ever faced the dilemma where there's just too much demand for iPads and not enough supply? And if so, how did you go about deciding which patients kind of need or deserve that iPad the most? Yeah, definitely. The whole basis of why we created this initiative was because there just wasn't enough supply for the demand. Essentially, what we did was that from the four initial hospitals that actually got back to us that actually said that they'd be open to receiving them, that's sort of where we focus on. A lot of people ask us, obviously, to look at more of the elderly population. But one of the biggest hindrances of actually getting it towards these groups of people was because it's hard to get in contact with administration for these elderly and long-term care homes because during the pandemic, and I'm sure now, it's just the resources are spread thin. So it was hard to get in contact with them and then start coordinating the drop-offs and even like the usage of our resources in the iPads, like who would be able to help the elderly, especially when there's not enough staff. It just wasn't as easily implementable than it was in these hospitals. So what we ended up doing was just going with the first couple of hospitals that got back to us. 
So that is sort of how we allocated. And in terms of how we distributed the iPads, what we tried to do was do it as fairly and as simply as possible. So we kind of looked at how many hospital beds were in the different hospitals and based it off that. Now, obviously, there's a lot of different factors that could play into how much need each hospital has for the different iPads. But what we did was try to be as fair as possible in our allocation. That definitely sounds, Angela, like that's not an easy decision at all. And so I'm sure yourself, Erin, the whole team really had to think about that and all the different factors, as you said. In making a systemic change as iPads for Patients aims to, that involves so many different groups, so many stakeholders, how have those different stakeholders worked with you and enabled you to bring this project to fruition, both hospital administration, who you touched on earlier, but also other groups like volunteers, for example? So I will talk about the administration first of all, because those were the main people I was coming in contact with. And the number one thing I would say was to make sure that the models of iPads or tablets that we were donating matched up with their system. Every hospital has their unique security systems, and they had to make sure that the operating system of the technology would work with their security or else they wouldn't want to use it or it wouldn't be safe for their patients to use. So that was probably the biggest challenge for us. It was coordinating, okay, out of all these hospitals, we need to make sure that this specific model will work with all of them. And we were able to do that and pick a specific model that we would purchase with the donated money and make it work for all the hospitals. There were some other iPads that were also donated that were of older models that didn't fit with certain hospitals. Sunnybrook was one hospital that was welcoming all generations of iPads. And although they would not necessarily use it for video calling, they'd use it for alternate purposes. Awesome. So it sounds like it was a bit of a challenge maybe to get these iPads into the patient's hands. But I'm sure with every challenge, the moment where you actually do get it done and it happens, there must be a lot of joy that you get to witness and be a part of, maybe even if it is a little bit distant uh, rather than being there in person, unfortunately. But are there any stories you'd like to share about how patients and their families responded to receiving these iPads? There was one specific story. I will not name the person, obviously, but during the time in which we were fundraising, a person reached out to us and gave us their own personal story and thanked us for what we were doing. She had recently actually lost a loved one. And at the time, it wasn't possible to connect to her loved one. And it was only by the luck of the nurse having an iPhone that she was able to FaceTime with her mother at the time. And through FaceTime, of the nurse's phone was she able to say goodbye. And that made us all really think that if that nurse didn't have an iPhone or just didn't feel like FaceTiming or assisting, there is no way that she would be able to say her final goodbye to her mother. And that really motivated us and pushed us forward and told us that we're definitely doing something right and that we need to do as much as we can to help as many people as we can. Later on the pandemic, I would say about a month ago, I could share my own personal story in which my grandfather, he had a stroke a couple of years ago and some implications happened and he had to get admitted into hospital and we actually had no contact with him. But luckily being later in the pandemic, there's more things being implemented and it was pretty interesting and great to see that we were able to connect with him through an iPad and it kind of came around full circle and it really made me happy to be able to talk to him because it's a really scary feeling when your loved one is taken away by emergency and you really don't know if that's the last time you're going to see them again because you don't know what's going to happen and you're not able to go into the hospital because of visiting restrictions. So those are my two stories that I have to share. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think even the personal stories or the stories that came out from different people reaching out to us via Instagram or Facebook, 
a lot of it we share within our team during our team meetings. And then it kind of allows us to refocus about priorities and say, we're on a mission for something bigger than ourselves, essentially. And then when you ground yourself and remind yourself about what we're doing and why we're doing it, it helped motivate us a lot. I think one of my favorite memories from doing this was actually going to the different hospitals and dropping off the devices that we've had. Because then we got to be in contact with a lot of the hospital administrations and we got to learn a lot about the other side of exactly what the hospitals will be using the devices for. So for instance, let's say Ontario actually has the highest immigrant population in the country. So essentially what these iPads and other tablets are used for is that they could also be used for translations. So imagine your grandparents and then they go to the hospital and English isn't their first language. So using devices such as this actually help with that communication aspect of it. A lot of the devices could also be used for operational tasks. So that is why we had to make it compatible with the systems in place so that hospital staff could communicate with each other better. Another one was the mental health patients. A lot of them use this as a means of distractions because they have like the apps and a lot of it is used for therapeutic purposes. So this includes like listening to music, watching virtual concerts, attending religious services, watching sports or TV shows, using it for like mindfulness apps, treatment apps. And the biggest point for us was allowing them to connect to their loved ones. It was very eye-opening to see the kind of impact one device could have on people's lives and just really plays a huge role in why we think the healthcare system is moving towards this whole telemedicine trend. It's so great to hear that iPads for Patients is fulfilling a lot of different purposes. I think the one that my mind jumps to is the connection between families. And I think that's a big gap that is being fulfilled, but there's also so many other pieces that you talked about, including translation, mental health supports, and really incredible to hear that there's so many um, niches that this is able to help with. Hey everyone, if you enjoy listening to the ID podcast and want to hear more from us, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at the ID podcast. If there's a topic you'd like for us to cover in a future episode, please feel free to message us or send us a tweet. Thank you and enjoy the rest of the episode. Between the start of the pandemic, when iPads for Patients blossomed, to now, which is, you know, a different phase in the pandemic, what are some of the things that have changed in iPads for Patients and the way you run? Are there any things that have changed for the better or some challenges that are now new? Yeah, definitely. So this is actually one of the biggest obstacles that our team is trying to learn how to navigate and overcome is definitely the momentum of our mission. For context, within the first 24 hours of our launching, we reached about half of our goal already just through social media alone. It was interesting to see like the overwhelming support that the community had for us and sustaining that kind of motivation throughout, as well as obviously there's changing attitudes towards the pandemic and we hear about lockdown fatigue and all of this. So it has become a little bit more normalized. So our approach to how we try to raise funds is a lot different now too. Our approach now is a lot more focused on corporate partnerships. We agreed as a team that a lot of our social circles have been exhausted and our community was amazing, especially in the beginning to help us launch this and kind of hit the ground running. But then right now we're really focusing on more corporate partnerships. So previously we partnered with Huawei and they donated devices for our cause, which was amazing. And we're so, so grateful. 
But I think this time around, we are definitely looking more at more donations from bigger organizations, as well as trying to emphasize the recyclability aspect of this project. So what we do is we're also open to getting used devices as well. This idea actually came out because we were on Schulich Startups Jam Night. And basically, it's a night where we just pitch our idea or a new initiative. And then we had a bunch of different entrepreneurs chime in and give their thoughts and ideas about how we could optimize our operations. And then they said that the environmental impacts position could also be something that's more sustainable moving forward. Because obviously, we have a lot of technology, but the devices are a lot of them actually end up in landfill. So then it's using this aspect of the recyclability of these devices and giving them new life in a more purposeful way within our healthcare system. And how do we integrate that is sort of the approach we're taking moving forward. Exactly. As Angela said, I just wanted to add a little bit onto that. I think I can speak for a lot of people in which they could say they've had a tablet or an iPad sitting around their home, at least somewhere Many, many families have them. And typically, like Angela was saying, they end up just throwing them out. And we were really trying to focus in on not only these families that have tablets and iPads laying around, but the companies that actually use iPads. And they obviously upgrade their models every now and then. And so if we were able to take those donations, we could recycle them and put them into our healthcare system. And that's probably our main goal right now. Yeah, and sort of on that note, because we do have some listeners who are no doubt tuned in, uh, pin drop silence across the country right now, airing into this amazing interview, but we would love to kind of mobilize the people that we do have listening. So is there a way that you would want our listeners to be able to get in touch with you and provide some help, whether that be through volunteers, more iPads, or whatever else the case might be? Of course, if you're able to donate, it'd be much appreciated. But I know during this time, it's been rough on many families. So if it's not monetary, maybe you have an iPad or a tablet sitting around. And if it's not that, don't worry at all. We would love your support on our social media platforms. And pretty much everything we have can be found on our website at ipadsforpatients.org. And there you can find if you want to contact us and ask us any questions or want to help out in any way or donate your iPad there. We have a form if you want to fill that out or you can find what we're doing moving forward. That's awesome. Thanks, Aaron. So it sounds like there's a lot of ways that we can get involved and that's really nice to hear. You know, right now we're in the midst of the pandemic. And like you said, that kind of lit the flame for this entire project and initiative. We're curious to know what type of role might iPads for patients have in a post-COVID world? What do you foresee its role kind of changing to or adapting to? Yeah, our team and I definitely try to see how we could best strategize or position ourselves to have a sustainable mission even post-COVID. So what we actually did was interviews and coffee chats with a lot of professionals within the digital health space and what is the future of healthcare and how can we help essentially and just trying to really learn like the gaps and the different inefficiencies as to why there's hindrances to mass adoption of technology in hospitals, especially if devices like iPads. What we discovered there was first, it was a lack of resources. So let's say they don't have the funds to actually implement it widespread throughout like the country, or that it was the whole the change management aspect of ensuring that the workforce is adopting to this new ways of delivering healthcare and medicine. So honestly, full transparency, what we kind of do now, like short term, we're looking at obviously like the holiday season, we're focusing on getting more donations and during this time because more people are more willing to give. But 
in the future, we're really looking, as I said, more so like the sustainability aspect of the devices and how we could repurpose different, the old devices to have new life in hospitals. Honestly, it's still a work in progress. We don't have a definitive answer. It's sometimes it's hard because the hindrances to adoption for technology within healthcare and just doing so widespread is such a systemic issue that a lot of aspects come into it, such as like governmental policies that it's hard when you have like a group of students and you're interested to help, but it almost seems like you are trying to cure a symptom rather than the root cause of the problem. But honestly, right now we are trying to gather our resources, get volunteers and just get the word out. We don't have a full long-term vision for iPads for patients yet just because we're still working on the foundational pieces to make sure that it is sustainable for the coming years. Yeah, I also have to add on to what Angela was saying. We can definitely see there's a huge shift in telemedicine and technology in the healthcare workplace. I know recently I read an article in which Sunnybrook Hospital was actually planning to do online and virtual ER meetings or appointments. And that's already something that was probably unheard of before COVID hit. We see the change in not only the healthcare system, but in the workplace in which people are able to work from home. And some people even say, oh, we work better from home. So I guess that ties into iPads for Patients in which we really think that technology and tablets specifically because of their ease of use will play an important part in the future of healthcare. Might not be exactly iPads or tablets, but we definitely think some sort of device will be extremely useful in the healthcare environment. It will allow more patients to have access to healthcare, which they wouldn't be able to due to the pandemic or due to distancing. Those are some great points, Aaron and Angela. And this pandemic certainly has been a difficult time, but Aaron, I think like you were alluding to, there's things that have changed, media that have been worked on or platforms that have been improved upon a little faster in this environment. And so I think there's a lot of potential. So it's fair to say that I guess iPads for patients, it's not a question of if you will stick around, but more how and how things change. So we're really excited for the future of your work as well. On that note, I think that kind of brings us to the end of this interview. And we just wanted to say thank you so, so much for sharing your story with us today. And on behalf of our entire ID podcast team, we really thank you for your incredible work during this tough time and also wish the entire group the very best with the initiative moving forward. You can also find their social media information posted in the description of this episode, as well as their fundraiser page for more information. And before we close off, back to you both. Do you have any last words or thoughts that you want to share with anybody listening to this episode? Yes, I do. I say this almost every time in everyone I speak to, but I'm just a student that goes to McMaster University. I'm just an undergraduate. I pass for patients may seem like something big and, oh, wow, it's a great foundation helping people out. But I just came up with this idea and I just decided to act upon it. And it just took little steps and now we've become something so big. So if anyone in the audience has some small idea in which they can help people out, act on it, try it out, see what happens. You don't know what it can become and how many people you can help out. Yeah, echoing Aaron, just take the initiative and take the risk. The world is your oyster. If you have an idea and you have a really good team behind you, sky's the limit. Don't let anything, like, like even a pandemic, stop you from trying to help the community out in any way that you can. And everyone has their own different contributions and their own talents and their own gifts that would definitely help the greater good. So yeah, that is it. Those are such great notes to end on. Thank you so much, Angela and Erin. Again, it's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much for having us. We really appreciate it. 
And welcome back to the studio. I really enjoyed listening to this interview. I think the story is a real example of how students can make an impact even during a time that's pretty uncertain for our communities. We know that iPads for patients continues to make a big impact on patients and their well-being in the hospital. And we seriously commend the team for their continued initiative and drive. I completely agree, Mike. It's amazing to see the initiative that young people are showing to get involved and be the change they want to see in the world. These two students shared their story and they definitely shouted out the rest of their team, which was awesome to hear. I think that the impact this has is not just to the patients who are getting iPads and being able to stay connected to their families, but also kind of pushing the envelope forward and increasing connectedness and limiting isolation in hospitals, which can be a quite lonely place even prior to the pandemic. So kudos to these creative young people for finding a problem and finding a way to make a difference about it. Yeah, I really agree with what you said, Naman. I'm really impressed with their story of the organization. I think they recognize a need as a volunteer, and they're leading a larger movement to fill that need, even taking in new suggestions about environmental impact and recycling. If our listeners want to hear more about iPads for Patients, please visit their website, iPadsforPatients.org, to learn more about the work done by this organization or to find out ways to get involved. And if you didn't get that over the podcast, that's okay. Please check out the links in the description below wherever you get your podcasts. On behalf of the Infectious Dialogue team, we want to thank the iPads for Patients team once again, including guests Aaron and Angela today for sharing their perspective on how they made a difference for patient wellness during this very unique time. If there's another topic you would like us to cover next, send us a message or connect with us on social media. We can be found at the ID podcast on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Finally, a big thank you to the rest of the Infectious Dialogue team. The episode director, Grinder, the writing team, Jessica, Lucy, and Priscilla, Priscilla, who also happened to edit and host this episode alongside Grinder. And the rest of the team, a shout out to Isabella Stefanova for music and welcoming two new members of the team, Ganit and Gari. And with that, we come to the end of today's show. We hope you continue listening to the Infectious Dialogue podcast, where we explore the stories of medicine and the people behind them. Take care, everyone.